What is up, Richard Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Rich Runners Live, episode number 78. Tonight, we had the winners and course record holders of the Hellgate 100K, Rachel Spaulding and Michael DeBova. Hellgate is a one-of-a-kind race across the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, starting at midnight in December. Tune in to hear how these two runners both beat course records that had been set only last year, including Rachel being the first woman to ever run under 12 hours on this course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Yo, what is Crackalackin' Ridge Hunter Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Hunters Live. Tonight we are joined by two runners who broke the course record at the Hellgate 100K this past weekend. These two are also big time contenders for our Ridge Hunters Eastern Ultra Runner of the Year, coming to us all the way from the places where they currently reside. Without further ado, Rachel Spaulding, Michael DeBova, how's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. We're super excited to have you on tonight to talk about, obviously, the course track performance, and it's going to be a phenomenal show. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Wesley Harton, and joining me tonight is the sixth man of the nation, former high school middle linebacker, superstar Cam Wrench. How's it going? I just, you got to stop saying that. I was not good at football. <laughs> like, I really wasn't. I don't know where you got this idea, but I, I was not good. Um, but anyways, other than that, I'm doing really great. I'm super excited for this show. Um, it's not often you have two course records set at a race, and it's also not often it's two past guests who we both had a ton of fun talking with. This is honestly like uh, the Hellgate picture of y'all with your two uh, winner's trophies there that we posted. I just think that encapsulates the energy that I feel like the show is going to have so well. Rachel with the huge smile and Michael honestly looking a little bit confused. Um, so I am super, super excited to be on tonight. Leslie, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Let's start off with what is everyone drinking tonight? Rachel, if you want to kick things off. Um, just sticking to water. That's always a good choice. And that's honestly what I should be drinking tonight. Uh, but I decided to go a little different route. Michael, what about you? Just got like tea in a cup <laughs> i love Any it particular kind of tea or just that's uh, like a uh rooibos tea yeah with like some cacao in it so some recovery tea <laughs> yeah cam what about you all right um i am drinking a uh highlander beer devil's hump red ale um working my way through all of the local Missoula breweries. And this is, a, this is a new one for me on the show. What about you, Wesley? I've got the, uh, you know, we got 12 to 16 inches of snow last night. So I went with the Blizzard Wizard. Look at this guy. Uh, so kind of a hazy IPA from Proper Brewing Company to kind of uh, celebrate the massive snowstorm that has just hit Utah. Uh, first, one, first big one of the year. So We'll, we'll see how what happens. We'll see what happens. But let's let's dive into uh, Hellgate here. You know, one thing I'm kind of curious about with both of you guys, you guys both returned to this race again. Uh, you know, you both had incredible performances last year. Michael setting your course record, Rachel taking second place. What was the draw to come back to this race and run it again? And Rachel, if you want to kick things off. Um, I would say that Hellgate is just like a big call. <laughs> It's addicting. It like you just want to keep coming back. Um, yeah, but for me personally, um, I was third there my first year. It was my in 2019. That was my second or third ultra that I've ever done. Um, I don't recommend that. But so and then I was third, and then I was second, and then I 
I really just wanted to, I wanted to win so badly. <laughs> so that was part of it too, but really just in general, it's just in a very addicting race. I think that's because of uh, David Horton. Definitely. Michael, what about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I wanted to, to defend, um, like the title and come back and try to do that. And also feel possessive about the record from last year. So I wanted to, if there was any challenges for it, I wanted to kind of be there to try to, I don't know, face the challenge, I guess. So, um, but also, yeah, like, like Rachel was saying, it's, it's kind of an addicting race to do and it is like this cult thing and it's, it's such an amazing point to point race. And, um, regardless of, I think how you end up doing, you still want to keep coming back and testing yourself. So it's a lot of reasons. Yeah, you kind of touched on the community there aspect of this race. And, you know, that's obviously one of the biggest uh, reasons people do come back to this race. But kind of talk to the, the viewers maybe don't know about much about Hellgate 100K. Talk to them maybe about the uh, the process of just getting into the race and then talk about, you know, what the vibes were like Friday night uh, before before the race started. And Rachel, if you want to keep this one me? off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, well, yeah, the race in general, like you said, it's, I mean, it just brings people together. Um I feel like people of just all abilities in general, it's, um, you know, people are there from the, the start of the race, you know, cheering you in and then waiting for everyone towards the end. Um, so it just has like a really good community. The vibe is really exciting. I guess to start, you have to, well, basically you have to apply and because Horton's so old school, you have to write, like you have to do a paper application. So you have to mail it in. You can't just go on the the ultra sign up, you literally have to like mail him an application. Um, I don't think that'll ever change. <laughs> so you'd have to do that. And then basically, you know, you have to write your stats and why you should run or why you think you can finish the race um, and stuff like that. So if your stats don't really line up with like maybe what he thinks could finish the race, I've heard people, you know, beg a little bit. One, one person I know wrote a poem to Horton and he got in. So so I think some creativity helps to um, some good energy, but so that's how you get in. And then it's just kind of like a big event. There's a, you know, there's the pre-race uh, dinner. There's a briefing where Horton just feels the need to haggle anybody and everybody. Um, and, you know, goes over all the course stuff. And then it's, you're waiting around for a while until that midnight start. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad you mentioned writing poems to Horton because that finally sounds like a use for my undergrad creative writing degree. I don't, I don't think I'm getting into this on stats, but maybe, I don't know, if you'd like a haiku or a sauna. I can, I can probably do that. Um, yeah, he wrote a haiku. Yeah, I start, a guy I know that lives in our area, he wrote a, he wrote a haiku. So. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. And he finished the race, so. Mm -hmm. And then we also have uh, Jordan Chang, uh, if I believe correctly, 10-time. Uh, Hellgate finisher, I believe, also finished third this year. Mentioned, you know, you also have to find a stamp, which is, I don't know if I could find a stamp in my apartment. <laughs> or you have to Google how to address the letter because you forget. <laughs> I, I think, I think Jordan, he finished 15. his his fifteenth. Oh, fifteenth! Uh, wow. Okay, yeah. that's psycho. Significantly more than ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a thousand miles of Hellgate, he said. Yeah. Yeah, my my like I have pain throughout my body thinking about that. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But uh, what about um, you, Michael? You know, how do you feel about just, you know, the especially being, you know, the course record holder, right? Did your application just say, like, you know me? 
or what is that process like for you? How do you treat the run up to this race? Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody applies the same. You just fill out the paper thing, mailed in with the check and your resume. And I mean, you know, he knows you and stuff from other races. And then, yeah, I mean, Friday is always just kind of this mental game of knowing you're going to be up for a long time. And I think just treating the day normally and then trying not to be on your feet too much a little bit. And, and then, yeah, it's, I carpooled down with John Anderson and Dan Spearn. And so we got there at like seven or eight and we kind of caught the, the big group meeting. And then, um, yeah, so it wasn't as much hanging out as like we weren't, we didn't go show up for the dinner and stuff, but yeah, it's, that is an option for folks. So. I feel like it's so important to like note that <clears throat> most people that are doing this race, they're never like, I want to do a hundred K they're like, I want to do Hellgate. So it's not because it's like, Oh, let's just do another hundred K or another distance. It's like a Hellgate, and it's like 108 K <laughs> not really a hundred, not really a real hundred K. So I can't wait for the day till I do like an actual hundred K. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great to hear. And, you know, kind of one thing that I'm kind of curious about is, you know, timing of this race is so unique, you know, it being in the middle of December, it's kind of at the a way to, you know, cap off your season where you kind of just, you know, use this race as one final hurrah uh, in to end the year. What was this, what was your guys' uh, mentality going into this? You know, was this truly an A race where, you know, you trained up for it, was ready to go firing in all cylinders, or is this kind of just a way to kind of uh, end the year on a positive note with all the other accomplishments and successes that you've had throughout this year. And Michael, if you want to start off with this one. Oh, um, I think because of winning last year and setting the record, I definitely was, um, I wouldn't say a race, but I wouldn't say like, it's, yeah, it's kind of just show up, do your best. Um, but I don't really think of the season as any types of a races or B races. Like, it's just kind of like you just do your best prepare your best um so yeah that's that's kind of my goal for this race um uh there wasn't like any special changing of training or anything is more just the same train i normally do of just running in the mountains and running with friends and and then do your best on race day so i don't know <laughs> I mean, that clearly worked out and, you know, kind of just kind of keeping the same philosophy that you used throughout the entire course of the year and then just kind of applying that uh, to this training block, uh, you know, obviously paid massive dividends. Rachel, what about you? Um, it was like an A++. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was definitely like, also, I don't think anybody wants to show up to Hellgate like under train like not ready for it because like that would just make for a very long night so um whether it's your a or b race i think most people are coming in pretty prepared but with it being in december i know it it is hard because most people are taking their off season or wrapping up or whatever but yeah no i was pretty much thinking about this all year long so <laughs> so with that being you know um an end of year race it's in, it's in an awkward time for an a race but you know you were thinking about it all year long, how did that factor into, you know, the rest of your year? Were you building races, trying to build up and create something towards Hellgate? Because 
you know, looking at your, your past schedule, your performance at Promise Land, your win at Old Dominion, I don't think anybody is looking at your year and being like, of course, she only cares about Hellgate, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, it actually worked out really well because I knew that, well, so after last year's Hellgate, I was pretty much, I literally went on like a five-hour run and was like, I think I want to do a hundred miler. I want to run 30 plus whatever more miles. So at that point, the only 100 miler available was like really just odd ones. And that was Old Dominion. So it really worked out because I did a 100 miler in June versus, which is insane because it's so hot. So there's not a ton of races then. But with it being in June, I really took a decent break, like training break after that. Um, so I kind of took my, my longer break earlier. I mean, I took a month off of training. I mean, I ran a little bit, but like the structure was really gone. Um, and then come like, basically it was probably July and August. I started ramping up again. And that's when everything started shifting towards Hellgate being the A race. So I feel like I, this is, this is the first year that I ever did anything like had any logistics from like organizing my races. Usually I'm like, okay, this race sounds good. And then after I finish that race, I'll find up for another race. So this is the first year where there's definitely some, some thought into all of it. Yeah. And um, what about you, Michael, going into this? You know, you talked about how you didn't really train in any particular way going for it, but that you, you know, you wanted to be there to kind of defend your course record. Was that, you know, well, what was just um, those two things seem a little bit divergent to me personally, at least, you know, I, that I've never had a course record. Right. But I would imagine I want to train really hard for it. Is that, um, no different for you and how you prepare for other races that you do or what did how do you see that i guess is the question i'm asking um i guess i see it as if if you apply too much pressure on that one concept day in and day out for months on end that that's gonna be mentally fatiguing so to just think of training as something to be like not plain, but just like have gratitude that you can just move through the mountains for that one day, even though you're working towards the race that's a few months away. I think for me, it's taking the pressure off of it and just not having a like a high stress structured training. Like in my past, um, when I used to do like duathlons and triathlons, I was super all about like hardcore training and regimen and workouts. And I would get, I would show up at races so burnt out and fried and just flat. And so I think that's why I prefer to, to be the opposite of just like low heart rate training, gain a lot of vert, being in the mountains, <clears throat> being on my feet and making sure that I'm having fun and, <clears throat> and that I'm, um, being mindful of what I'm doing. And then to me, those are the most important things for a good race, not specific workouts or a structure. Um, I don't know if that makes sense or just more confusing. <laughs> no, I, I think it makes, it makes sense to me. And, you know, Michael, you got to remember Cam, besides he doesn't have any course records, you got to remember that's on Strava as well. He doesn't have any course records uh, on there, on that platform either. I only have a couple local legends, even it's bad. 
<laughs> but but kind of moving on, you know, one thing that I kind of uh, admired most from the, your previous episode on Richard's Live, Michael, was your mentality, uh, you know, in, with running. And so I want to kind of talk about that with both of you now going into the race. You know, what was the emotions like for you? Uh, when you basically walked to the starting line and it was go time. Talk about what was going through your mind. How did you handle all of the emotions, all of the excitement, and uh, go out there and crush those first couple miles? And Rachel, if you actually want to start this one off. Um, I was super ready to go. I guess um, some people could say I was probably ready to go like the Monday on the race, <laughs> um, which was good because I feel like when I'm bouncing off the walls and just like super excited to go run, um, that means like I've tapered really well. Right. So I just like bottled up all the excitement. Um, so I felt like that. <laughs> I was getting, I think I was getting really antsy. I felt like the whole like week leading up to the race, I was pretty much just like killing time until the next day, <laughs> which is so not my personality, but I was like, I have nothing to do without running, <laughs> which isn't, which isn't true either, but I just wanted to run. So by the time we got to the start line, I was ready to go. Um, I was excited. I wasn't really nervous. I pretty much that, you know, after doing this race a few times and then also being pretty familiar with the course that just kind of took a lot of the nerves away. And also I've just been trying to work on every time I get to the start, I, I know that I've worked really hard and I can't control what other people do, but I always tell myself, like, I know I'm going to run fast. Um, and that pretty much calms any nerves for myself. So it's a good, good mantra for me. Yeah, no, that sounds like a great strategy. Michael, what about you? What strategies do you use to kind of calm the nerves and, uh, you know, start the race? Uh, well, the week leading up, like a week before I pulled my back, like super bad by hanging up Christmas lights with my kids or my son out on the ladder. So the week leading up, I was super like, you know, limited range of motion and like super paranoid. I wouldn't even be able to run. Um, but so I think that distracted me from overthinking the race too much. So I was just focused on my back and then leading up, I guess the day of is just kind of, um, I don't know. I'm just more about just gratitude of being able to show up and have the opportunity. Um, and I think that takes the butterflies away. And I think like Rachel said, the familiarity with the course and the midnight start, um, you know, when you've done it a few times, it's not, you shouldn't still be nervous, really. <laughs> I mean, there should be some nerves, but it's more excite, more excitement nerves. And, um, and then, yeah, you just start running at midnight. So I think you're just tired too. So that kind of tempers things. <laughs> so. At least for me, <laughs> my bedtime's like eight o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really good to know. Um, and so we do have a couple uh, check questions. We'll kind of wrap up our our pre Hellgate stuff here with uh, a question from Holly Goble. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right there, Holly, um, who says it's so awesome to hear about the logistics of getting in. And are you guys planning on coming back to Hellgate in 2022? <clears throat> my fiance Logan he's talking about wanting to run and we have a strict don't run the same race rule so <laughs> we'll see if he wants to do it I I'm already starting to prepare myself that I might not be the one doing it so I can screw him but the minute he says that he's not doing it then uh <laughs> then I'm probably in I, I thought I'd stop obsessing about this race but that I was wrong 
So maybe. <laughs> All right, and you, Michael? Yeah, I, I plan on. Um, I think I was thinking today. I was like, there are spots where I could be stronger, do better, go faster, and like I want to keep working on that. So yeah, I mean, I'll, so I, I plan on coming back. You want to catch Jordan with those that fifteen? Hell, thousand miles of Hellgate. Oh yeah, it's oh, a long haul. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's kind of talk. Kinda work to my five. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about the race now. I mean, obviously, you guys. Uh, you know, we. It's awesome to hear your mentality going into it and all the preparation that goes into uh, all this incredible effort that you guys had out there. But let's talk about you know race day itself. Uh, how did the early miles feel? Uh, you know, Michael, specifically for you, you know, Jordan Chang's move uh, to the front of the race early on. Rachel, for you, you know, you mentioned you went out relaxed. You know, talk about all the uh, things that kind of went in the beginning part of the race. And Michael, if you want to kick this one off. Um, I, th I thought the first, like, 40 miles were very uncomfortable. <laughs> And I don't, so yeah, so that, so that includes Jordan, like blasting off in the front. It's just like the temperature and the, the headwind and the, the fog. Like I couldn't figure out a rhythm of how to like run. Cause I was like trying to micromanage. Do I have my mittens on or off? Do I have my Houdini on or off? Is like, so I, I was kind of more frustrated with like internally, I couldn't figure out how to get comfortable, like managing my temperature body temperature and so yeah i saw jordan go off the front like like right when we hit the gravel um and i don't know we every everybody has their own strategy and plan and i think you have to not get caught up in somebody else's and just run true to what you know what's to you as a runner and i had my plan in my mind i was like i'm I'm going to just kind of maintain a chill pace until we hit the technical horrible trails, which I know that I can psych people out on. And so that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> so, so I was, I was fine to let Jordan go. And I know he's, he's a super fast road runner and is running super fast marathons and 10 Ks. So I, I knew that that's way out of my wheelhouse. So I kind of knew it'd be a, a fool's mission to kind of try to just, keep up with him on on that move so i don't know yeah rachel what about you kind of talk take us through those early miles um well it started so fast like i thought i mean i guess it's my third year doing it but everyone was so fast in the beginning i like looked at my watch and i i like was i was like i can't do this <laughs> like i think from the first probably until we hit the gravel road so i don't know the first five miles or whatever but on some like rolling trail. I think there was probably like 40 people ahead of me, maybe more. Like it was, and I started in the front. <laughs> like people just went out so fast. I thought I was lining up for a marathon. So I think I got wrapped up in it for maybe like 60 seconds. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't going to happen. Um, so yeah, I felt, I felt good. The first decent, the first climb, I remember getting to the top of the gravel road and there was like so much excitement up there. So that was fun. Um, so that's like, I don't know, eight, nine miles in. It's hard to say because the miles don't actually matter because Horton's like, oh, it's mile seven when it's really mile like 10. And, um, so it's really hard to say, but 
I got up there and I remember Horton was up there and he's like, oh, there's ladies in front of you. And I was like, really? He's like, ah, I'm just kidding. He <laughs> 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 sounded like that in my head. And I was like, he, I, he was literally poking on me for the last month. Like he, he was on my case. Like on Facebook, this is totally off vote of what you're talking about before. But on Facebook the other couple of weeks ago, he like wrote something and he was like, Oh, this is 1207. This is the time of day where Leah finished last year. Will any woman beat it this year? Probably not. And then, and then the man texts me. Like I saw it and I'm like showing Logan and I'm like, look at this. Like he doesn't think I can do it. I was like, he probably means that. And Logan's like, no, he's messing with you. Literally within 30 seconds, Horton is texting me and he goes, did you see my Facebook post? (laughs) So this man has been on my case for a long time. So he's at the top of the road and I like look at him and I'm like, I'm going to try really hard to prove you wrong. And then I just like ran away. So I was like pretty amped up for then. But then like mile, I don't know, like Michael was saying, I was super uncomfortable, which is really foreign to me. Usually I'm just used to feeling really good until like I don't. <laughs> until it's just like game over. But um, I was super uncomfortable. Like the weather was weird. I was cold and then I was hot and I just felt sluggish. So that was really strange for me. Um I think by like mile 15, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like maybe this isn't my day. Like already like kind of like psyching myself out of my goal, which, and which I've done, I feel like before, just like mentally. So I just had to like reel it back in. I just kept reminding myself that how long the day is, but I started to feel better a little bit sooner than mile 40. (laughs) Probably like, I think it was probably mile 30. I got to an age, like I saw Logan and I was like, okay, we just, changed a few things and I got moving and I calmed down and um but yeah the beginning was rough I I'm glad to hear someone else say that too because I was like is this in my head like everyone's like it's sissy gate no bad weather and I was like this weather sucks I it was like 100 yeah. percent humidity I was yeah. drenched like and the, f- and the fog and <laughs> yeah oh the fog that sucked I yeah. couldn't even see <laughs> I had like the headlamp and I had a waist lamp. Thanks. The waist lamp is like a game changer, but the headlamp, I couldn't see anything. Yeah, and, like, it, was, it was horrible. No, oh man, it was so, it was so bad. I was, thought I was just like stumbling, but yeah, I forgot about the fog. <laughs> that part wasn't super funny. And it was during yeah. that like, like a pretty techie section too. And then like stuff that's super runnable and you're like, it's really early in the race to be feeling like garbage. Yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah, uh, glad the fog came up because that's actually uh, one of the chat questions we've got a, a couple to get through. But Eric Anderson wanted to know, you know, did the fog, uh, excuse me, the fog slow them down that much? And it seems like the answer is a little bit yes. Um, that the fog was definitely a factor there. You would both agree with me, right? Yeah, I thought it was pretty bad after. I mean, the beginning it was bad when you get to the aid station i guess it's maybe three it's after camp- after camping gap camping gap, gap. Camping gap to floyd bad. it was just yeah. relentless fog and then you had swings in temperature from being like freezing to then it rained hot, and then it rained and I, it was just it was very confusing yeah camping gaps like i said that's when i really started to suffer and i was like Oh God. <laughs> like I remember yeah. running with one guy. I think his name was David. And I was like, I really suffered this. <laughs> yeah. Like the my headlamp was so useless in the fog that I tried to like turn it off to see if I could just run in the dark. 
that was a horrible mistake. Um, <laughs> but it was just, you're just like grasping for any, any type of like solution. And you're trying to see where the streamers are while you're mm-hmm. trying to like watch your footing. It was just very chaotic feeling. Um, yeah. so I don't know. I'll say the waste lamp was a good game changer. I was a little resistant at first, but because like, I just didn't, I, it was uncomfortable. I thought, but it definitely helped. But it, the fog was so bad that even the waste lamp was like, oh, my God, like, I can't see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got a uh, another chat question that a comment that I, I want to highlight as well. Um, and Holly Goble asks again, uh, do you guys prefer the midnight start? Hellgate? I guess it's 12.01 a.m., not really midnight, um, compared to a typical morning start for an ultra. Uh, Michael, if you want to take this one first. Um. I think after the fact, because it is kind of cool. Like, it's kind of cool to be running at that time, and especially like with you know, you know, a couple hundred people to be moving through the landscape through those hours. It's kind of this really interesting energy, um, like very primal in a way. Like it's, but at the same time, the day leading up to it totally sucks. Cause it's like, well, it's 10 AM on Friday and up to stay up till midnight till start running. And then, so there are pros and cons, you know? Um, did you, uh, did you maybe, cause you're, you're, you know, early to bed guy try to go to bed early and then just, you know, wake up 10 30, 11, uh, before the race, or you just committed to staying up during the day? Uh, yeah, I can't help, but I, my internal clock is so like programmed that I'm up at like you know, early anyway, but I did, I slept for like an hour in the car, like from like 10 PM to 11, 1130. So at the start, so that helps get a little bit of a nap. All right. Uh, what about you, Rachel? You got, you always have such high energy. I can't imagine you drinking a ton of coffee, but I can also, <laughs> I can see you just, you know, at home with Logan and making an extra pot at like 9 a.m. Gotta get ready for Hellgate. I was down, I'm telling you, I was down. It was Monday and I was like, oh, oh my God, I don't run till Friday. And then it was like noon on Friday and I was like, oh my God, I don't run for another 12 hours. Like it was, I was driving myself crazy. But yeah, I'm very caffeine sensitive. And like Michael, I'm usually like, this is again past my bedtime too. So, um, yeah, but to go to Holly, Holly, what her name was, her question, I don't think anyone, like, prefers a midnight start. Like, I don't think anyone's like, yeah, this race starts at midnight. But, like, it wouldn't be Hellgate without the midnight start. So, I feel like for Hellgate, I guess I prefer the midnight start. But it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, like, a little kid, too. I'm like, this is just so cool. Look at all the headlamps. Look at everybody going. It's midnight. I'm running. <laughs> Like, I just get super excited and seeing the sunrise, like that's super cool. Um, and kind of being able to turn it on. Well, when the sun rose for me, it was a little bit different when the sun rose for Michael over there, but, uh, I didn't have a little bit more to go, but, uh, it's a good, like mental, like switch, you know, you can think like first half of the race, second half of the race. Um, but for me, I'd like to bank my sleep with any kind of race, even for like a longer race, you just. I get a lot of sleep just throughout the week and all that type of stuff. I did try to nap 
that was really hard because too amped up. <laughs> I did nap for an hour, so that was good. And I did drink caffeine. I I did drink caffeine like at 10 p.m. Um, not a coffee though. It was like a we do these drinks called liquid IVs, and they have a, a caffeinated one. So that was pretty good. And I didn't take caffeine the rest of the race. <laughs> I was I was good. <laughs> All right. And we're, we're kind of throwing it back a little bit, you know, but uh, Logan there in the chat. And I know Rachel says we're only allowed to take one thing from Logan, but I want to, you better choose wisely. Um, is that he says, you know, yeah, our, our not run the same race tends to be a little bit one-sided, but then he says, you know, well, what can you do uh, when you have a stallion, you just got to let them run. So I'm not saying you have permission to run Hellgate 2022, Rachel, but it seems like maybe you have permission to run in 2022. If I, if I really, really wanted to, which like I said, I'm prepared. I like to be prepared. So I know that it might not happen. And there's other races to chase. And this race will always be there. If he really wants to do it, then I would let him do it, I guess. (laughs) Oh, that was painful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Um, no, that's really great. We honestly love that comment. Hashtag goals. If I can say that, that too Gen Z of me right now. And um, honestly, I wouldn't want to do, like, I wouldn't want us to both do, like, I think a 50 K we could do the same race, but like, or any type of race, that's not like an A race, but if we're trying to go after race, like it, I mean, it makes a difference having a crew and having just him, like him there in general. So, um, so yeah, I need to take one for the team too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right we we love hearing that um and then we do have another question from you know another uh virginia ultra running uh big name guy here john anderson he says uh successful top running at hellgate means running fairly recklessly over leaf covered rocks for miles and miles i want to hear your thoughts on that exclamation point not a question mark so you know let's uh let's hear those thoughts and michael if you want to lead this one off I mean, you just have to, I mean, you just have to rage and, yeah. and psych people out because you know that they're probably going to feel uncomfortable and I don't know, that's part of the game, I think. I don't know. So, yeah, you just have to, I think you just have to not overthink the trail conditions and just exist with the trail conditions. And... uh and just kind of go with the flow and I don't know it's I don't know I I, I like I said earlier like I the, the quicker I could get off the roads and the quicker I could get on the the trails and the leaves and rocks like the safer I felt like as far as from people catching me and I assume like everybody's like right behind me so I was like okay this is this feels safe to be on the rocks and the leaves um and I knew that if they could see me, then I could like, like I said, like just psych them out because I know how to take chances that they're not willing to take. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's awesome to be able to just run on that much gnarly trail for so long <laughs> through the night. So I don't know. 
talk about like the techniques that maybe you, you apply or just like, you know, the training that you've done, you know, is it just, you know, you are so familiar with running on rocks and, you know, leaf covered trails or, you know, what could our viewers possibly, you know, apply in their training to become more familiar and feel safer and take these chances on these types of trails? Um, honestly, I think if, so I've done a lot of like bushwhacking, like over the years or decades. And to me, if you do a lot of bushwhacking then the trails you see at Hellgate are like super easy trails because the bushwhacking, tra- bushwhacking, there are no trails and you learn to trust your feet and be super quick and super responsive and light because it could be anything under the leaves. And so that, so therefore, like if bushwhacking is the hardest thing, suddenly you run on trails. Well, that's like exponentially easier than bushwhacking. So, and it, and it's a graded trail. So you just kind of just, and I think just, I think not being heavy footed and being super light footed and just super quick and responsive, like you have to be. And, um, and so it just kind of means being very present. I don't yeah. know. And it just, it's just, just takes practice just like anything else. But, um, I don't know, get your 10,000 hours in. I think that's great. Especially like having some like applicable advice for, for them to go out and, you know, try to become more familiar. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, when people try to get into trail running, they're always just worried about the conditions. And, you know, once you kind of gain experience on conditions like that, you know, everything becomes much more comfortable. So right. uh, I appreciate that answer. Rachel, getting back to John's question, what, uh, what answer do you have for John there? Um, well, I love what Michael said, just like, about existing with the trail. Um, that was just so, that was so great. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I like the technical stuff. Like the more I have to run, I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> like, like I want there to be rocks and leaves and roots and all of the things. So I was like, I'm all about it. So I was just like, yes, this is the best part. Whenever I run on a gravel road, I'm like, who put this here? <laughs> whose idea was it to start running up this gravel road but um yeah but my biggest like training go-to is just to run I I don't bushwhack but um maybe I'll have to try uh but I like to just do things that are harder than what I'm racing so like I'll do runs that have a bunch of elevation gain and I'll do runs you know all over the AT that have way more rocks and more similar rocks to some of these trails but I don't know. I just, I wasn't overthinking pretty much any of it. I was just, I was ready to go. I was ready to suffer. <laughs> so it was, I think it's all about mindset to, to be able to do that stuff. Yeah. Now you guys kind of talked about the middle part of the race. Let's kind of go into like the three quarters mark of the race or, you know, you talked about the sunrise. Let's kind of talk about what that meant to you and like, you know, how you handled the the miles that came after that Uh, with, you know, key highlights. What what were the emotions? Where were you place wise? Where were you time wise? What were you fighting with mentally? Uh, Michael, if you want to start this one off. So about three quarters, Rachel, would we agree that that's like bear wallow? That's three quarters ish. Yeah, that's like mile. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> mile, so bear, well, mile 40, there's like 20 miles left at Bearwall. So, so. so three quarter. Well, whatever. Um, well, everyone did um, it. I think for me, so I didn't know where Jordan or like Mario were. 
I thought they were like a few minutes behind me. So I was like running scared the whole time. And so I kept, yeah, like Rachel was saying, like, who put this gravel road here? I was like, the quicker I can get these gravel road parts done with, then the more comfortable I feel just being on like the uh, <clears throat> the gnarly leafy stuff. Um, I feel like it'd protect my gap that I, you know, I thought was diminishing. And then I kind of had my splits from last year memorized. And so when I got to bear wallow, like a minute faster than last year, I think I got to bear wallow at like seven eleven this year. And, um, I was like, Oh dang, I'm, I'm like super close to on pace to break last year. And so then I kind of focused on that and kept hammering. And then I kept trying to pretend the end of the race was at the next aid station. Um, just like a mental game to be like, okay, end of the race is at Boblet's gap. And so I try to just like use that to like pull me along. And then when I get there, be like, okay, the end of the race is at day Creek. And then I got, to, got to day Creek at like nine 22, which is exactly when I got there last year. And so I didn't even stop at the last aid station, even though I was like only had like one sip of water left and like three M&Ms in like the bottom of my pocket. <laughs> so I was like, I gotta, I can't afford, like if I'm going to get dip under my time last year, I just gotta like not even stop at the aid station and just like go. And, um, so that was kind of what was driving me <laughs> the last like quarter or third was just trying to be close to my time last year. And then I figured if I still got, if somebody was right behind me and beat me, then like, well, that's just part of the race. But I knew that I was giving it my all. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Kind of, you know, you're pulling from within at that point, you know, chasing the time, you know, last year's splits, you know, chasing your own ghost per, per se with that. And I kind of want to follow up with a question, you know, you you mentioned you kind of emptied the tank, but before each of those final aid stations, what did that look like? Is that like just a mental technique that you're using? Are you actually, you know, treating it as say the last five miles of the race, you know, pace wise or like, you know, effort wise, then once you get there, you kind of go to that next level and dig even deeper uh, as the race goes on. Talk about that. It looks like really bad running form. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what it looks like. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of hammering the downs harder than I might otherwise, and not caring if I like blow my quads out or because it, last year I blew my quads out and I was like yelling at myself to keep moving, and I was able to keep moving with my quads blown out. So I knew that if I got to that point. I could just yell at myself and I'd keep moving. <laughs> so, so I was kind of like, okay, all these downhills, I'm going to bomb and, and try to use that to make up time since the downhills are like free time and free miles, basically. Um, the uphills was a little bit more of a mind game of like, you know, I'm going to run a minute and then if, mentally i'm about to snap like maybe like power hike for 30 seconds and then start running again so through the forever section there's more power hiking than i'd like to admit or more power hiking than i wanted to have done but it was kind of what i had to do to keep like keep moving so i don't know but i'm, I'm not i'm not like totally empty like gassed at the you know if i'm playing that mind game of like the race 
the race finishes at the aid station, but it's, it's pretty close because I know there's a downhill, which I know that will get my heart rate lower and I'll be able to recover. And so, and then you just kind of keep playing that mind game over and over. Yeah, no, I love that insights. And, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty unique strategy to kind of try throughout the race, but I think it's, you know, one people can definitely apply. Uh, Rachel, what about you? Talk about what the final uh, section was like for you. Um, well, like Michael said too, I was going off of splits before. Um, I was pretty, I looked at, I looked at a lot of splits. Um, so I knew that I knew what I did last year. I knew what I've done in previous years. Basically last year, I, I went out just about the same time as I did last year and I knew that was good. So a lot of my focus was on the second half and specifically those last 20 miles as well. Um, but when I was climbing up to, uh, right before barrel, whatever, the, oh, Cove Mountain. So I just can't remember what mile that was, maybe 40-ish, maybe 440, I don't know. But I, it was still dark when I got up there. So I was like hooting and hollering. <laughs> There was, I was all by myself, but I was super pumped because usually when I get up there, the sun is starting to rise. So I was like, okay, I'm in a good spot. Um, and you know, that came like from breaking out of that little funk that I was having, I feel like too. So um, at that point, I didn't know where any of the women were because uh, I just, I just didn't know. I like to know, but I try not to obsess about it. So I was told that they didn't think anyone was near me. So I was just kind of trying to start to pick off some guys, but I got into Bear Wallow at 8.30. I can't, I think it was 8.30. Uh, I'm sure Logan will pipe in and correct me. I think it might've been before 8.30. So, which was like, I was ahead of my goal. Whatever that was, I was ahead of my goal. And uh, like Michelle Anderson, like John Anderson's wife was there and Logan was there and Fourth Hort was there. And they were like, Chris Roberts just left. You have to go get him. And uh, so that was cool. I was like, Oh, okay. Now granted the man did just run like 350 miles. <laughs> um, and he was actually moving really well, but so I got to bear while under way under my goal time. Um, like, I think I had like five extra minutes to spare. So pretty much those last 20 miles, I was pretty focused and I also knew them pretty well. I think I, I went out there quite a bit in training just to like check them out because I've died in these sections before. I mean, my first Hellgate, I got past at mile 50. So that's right after the Fairwall aid station. And then I got passed again at 61. And then my second Hellgate, Leah passed me um, in the last like 10 miles, I think. So I made a pretty good effort to like know these last sections and to really go after it. Um, yeah. So I, I was really focused on them. I just kept, I kept moving. I ran a lot. Um, if I needed to hike, I hiked with like a lot of intention. That's really my big thing. I think people get into like kind of a slog with their hiking. So I always do it very purposeful. Um, like I said, a lot of intention. My main target at this point, I passed, I passed two guys, you know, there was one guy that was hurting a little bit, um, unfortunately, but so I passed him and then Chris Roberts was like my next target for those last 20 miles. And he, when I left Fairwall, they told me that he was like hurting, but he was moving. He was moving really well. Like, I think he got it together those last 20, but he was still my target. So I feel like that helped keep me motivated. But because I've gone past all these other two years, I felt like the next woman was probably like two minutes from me. So I was like hustling. And then at this point too, I also didn't want another guy to pass me. <laughs> like I wanted, I really want, I like, it's cool being in the top 10. So 
<laughs> I was just like, I don't want any, I don't want anyone to pass me. I don't care if it's a, a girl or a guy or whatever, whatever, whoever it is, I didn't want anyone to pass me. So I was, I was hurting by the, after the forever, I was still moving good after the stairwell gap. It's like another eight, six miles, I think. So you get to the next aid station and then you get into the forever section, like Michael said, and that section just sucks because it's just like, basically you turn into this trail and it's just like a giant uphill pile of leaves. Like, I don't even think it's a real trail. Like If you weren't familiar with it, you'd be like, who put this here? <laughs> but I also do love that stuff. So, but I did this section a lot. So I was, I was moving good. But the time I got into Day Creek, I did stop. I was drinking a lot. So I stopped, but Logan handed me a bottle real quick to switch out. Um, we, we pretty much had a game plan at every aid station. So I was, I was pretty quick. I think between all the aid stations, I was, I probably only took like 10 minutes total. So, um, but yeah, I, I remember leaving that aid station. I was like, I think I'm going to black out. And Logan's dad, dad, Logan's dad was there. He's like, don't do that. (laughs) Everything like in me just hurt because once you get to day Creek, well, once I got to day Creek, I knew that it was going to take me like between a little under an hour and at my slowest it's taken me 75 minutes to get to camp Bethel because my quads have just been like game over and I've actually had to like walk some of the final descent not this year so that was that was good I've I've gotten a lot stronger but um I knew I was gonna have the course record but I I was gonna be super close to between like 11:59 and 12:01, and at that point I pretty much decided that like if I was at like 12.0 or 12.01, I wasn't going to be happy. So <laughs> just had to keep moving and suffering. And talk about that. You know, obviously the first woman to ever break the 12 hour barrier at Hellgate 100K. Talk about what those final miles look like in that push to break that 12 hour <laughs> barrier. Uh, honestly, some of them are just like kind of emotional. I feel like anyone can relate to this. Like when you're pushing your body this hard, sometimes you like just you get overwhelmed with just different emotions throughout. So for me, it was kind of like, I started to think, oh my God, like I'm, I'm doing this. Like, this is awesome. And like getting super excited, but then I have to like, but then I'm like, okay, Rachel, you did not do this yet. <laughs> so like bring it back to the present moment. Um, because like I said, I have gotten past it mile 61 on this race. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I was just, I think the, the 12 hour barrier did scare me a little bit. We were we were looking at split and I say we like me and Logan. So we were looking at splits and like we made a pace chart and like going off of the eight stations. And um, I didn't even let them put on, like I wasn't pacing for 1159 because I think that, so I, I think that made me like really nervous. I remember looking at him and I was like, no other, like no other girl, like female has been under 12 hours. Like, and a lot of past people have done this race. Like I, why, like, why am I good enough to go under 12 hours? And I mean, like talked about a lot of the stuff I've done in training and uh, just all that stuff, but we still settled for like the pacing under uh, Leah's previous record, which I felt like was doable. Um, but then I also, but I'm smart enough to know the time and the math. And I knew the course really well that what I had to do to be under 12. So I was just moving, <laughs> but it's awesome. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was super excited. I feel like most races I finished and I'm like, okay, I could have done something differently. I could have given more here or given more there. Um, you know, just whatever. I think that this is probably the first race that I finished. And I'm like, I was super proud of myself. I feel like 
I stuck to the plan. Um, just like all of these things paid off. Um, now we're a few days removed and I'm like, okay, I could totally go faster. <laughs> but uh, I think in that moment and in that time, I don't think I could have gone faster. I don't think I could have done anything uh, differently. So that feels really good to say. Yeah. And again, congratulations on the incredible achievement. Uh, you know, it's awesome to kind of break, break records and to kind of continue to, to grow personally and, uh, you know, within the sport. So it was, it was incredible to kind of follow along all weekend long and uh, see that happen. Uh, Michael, before we dive into the finish with both of you, I do want to talk about your final push to break your own course record from the previous year. Talk about what those final miles were like for you. And, uh, you know, when did things finally start to hurt a little bit? Um, I mean, uh, man. So when I got to, when I got to day Creek right at nine, the same time as last year. So nine 22 is when I got to day Creek and that's when I made a decision to not even stop. And then I calculated, okay, if I get to the top of this climb, I, by, let's say I get to the top of the climb at nine 50, I'm on the parkway then that leaves me X amount of time to get to break, you know, 10, 16. And I was trying to calculate it that way. Um, but man, that last climb, I was, I was like, def, you know, I probably should have stopped for water or a few more M&Ms. Um, Cause I was, not, I was barely hanging on and I was having to like walk. I'm a power hike and, um, and run and really just use like one step at a time. And then when I got to the top, I saw it was going to be super close. And so I think I just gave it everything I had and <clears throat> it was a painful descent, but I think I was, I think I was going like six, six fifteen pace the last like three miles just to make sure I was, I was there. Um, but it was very uncomfortable, but I knew it'd be more uncomfortable to live with not going under the course record pace. So, um, it's kind of, kind of an easy decision to be uncomfortable, I guess. Um, especially if I traveled that far all night, I was like, well, might as well finish this. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely kind of watching the clock and seeing, okay, if I get to the top of this climb, how much time do I have to get back to Camp Bessel with the last descent? And, um, so that's kind of how it went. And again, congratulations to you. Back-to-back -back course records is super special. Uh, and I want to kind of talk about the emotions of kind of crossing that finish line and realizing that you broke your own record again. You know, incredible photographer Jay Proctor was there to capture the moment for, for us at home. You know, what was that moment like for you living in it and realizing that you accomplished this big goal? Um, I don't know if it was a really goal. Like, I think the goal at the start at 1201 was to defend like my title. And then it just happened to be that I found myself on the same pace where I could put myself in a position to break it. So I don't know. It's not like it really sank in that I broke the goal because it wasn't really a goal. It's just, it just happened. Um, so but it is definitely very cool. Cause I didn't, I didn't know what type of shape I was in. Like I said, my, my training isn't really structured with speed workouts or whatever. It's more of just like existing with that run for the day. 
so I didn't know what type of shape I was in or if I was going to be close to last year. And, um, so yeah, I was, I think I was kind of shocked, I guess that it ended up being that way. Um, I didn't know I was going to be like that, like kind of around that time again. So that was, it's kind of crazy. I think it's still setting in. That's kind of why I have a rambling answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Rachel, what about you? Take us through the emotion. Um, well, so, well, like you, like Michael was saying, like you descend, right. And you're, you know, you're going down to Camp Bethel. You first, you descend like on some fire roads for two miles and then you get gravel roads. But like, and it's, like I said, you don't actually know how many miles are left because like none of this course actually makes any sense. Um, but once you finish the gravel, you get on pavement, pavement. So that was just like garbage. And I remember, so you get on the pavement and Logan was standing there and I was, I was like, like I threw up and I was like nothing really because I was just like drinking liquids. But I was like, yeah, I thought I was going to start bleeding from my mouth. <laughs> I was in so much pain. And I remember like he was there and he was like, you're like, you can break it. And I was like, can I do it? And he's like, I just said you could. And I was like, ah, <laughs> so you're like running into camp. And, uh, I just hear people start like cheering for me. So that was super cool. And then like, I'm there and like everyone that's like already finished, like all the guys. And then like some of the other people that were watching, like everyone's just like pumped up. And that was, that was like the best experience ever. Like all these people were even people I didn't know, people I do know, they were cheering for me. And like, I think they were like just as excited that I broke 12 as like I was, um, you know, I, I literally finished and I like crashed when <laughs> I wasn't so, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of me, like, I don't know, this, pic- this picture from the thing that you guys posted and just any pictures of me on social media in general, like I had pain in my face, like, but I knew I was going to like Michael, I was borderline and of where I wanted to be. And like I said, I knew, I knew by the time I left day Creek and got up to the parkway and three and a half miles left, I knew that I was going to have the course record. So it's basically like, okay, how much more do I want to suffer to get like my A goal? Um, that I felt like I kept, I keep my goals pretty quiet too. Like I wasn't like, I'm going to break 12. That's, that's just like not my style. Um, so I was, I was super emotional. I was just like, well, I was super exhausted, <laughs> but internally I was emotional. Um, and it was, like I said, it was, and I think that speaks to how special the race is. Like, I mean, all of these guys and everybody there that was waiting, like they were just so fired up. And then even after the race and before the race in general, like I had so many people rooting for me, um, whether they knew my goal or didn't know my goal. I just, I felt like I had so many people on my side. So um, that was really cool. That was special. Um, and at the end, like, Horton told me like he was impressed. So I impressed David Horton. So like, that was cool. Um, and he didn't think that I could do it. Like he didn't think I was going to be the one to break 12. So I love that because he was like, I didn't think you're going to do it. Uh, he thought I was going to go slower than last year. And so I was like, dang, <laughs> just because the weather, I guess was bad. Um, so it's always fun to prove uh, a David Horton wrong, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was special. It's definitely going to be a race, but I remember for a long time. Yeah, that is a uh, that is great to hear. We're gonna go ahead and get into our um, our special edition uh, quick questions on the show because we've had both of these lovely folks on here before. Um, but if you have any last minute questions for either of them, go ahead and pop them in the chat. We're actually gonna start um, to go way back to um, 
a question that uh, Jordan Chang actually asked, which is, what did you guys think of the new section before Bearwall? This guy's run it 15 times. I can't believe they added a new section in for him. Uh, but Rachel, if you want to lead off with this one. What was the question? Uh, what did you think of the new section before Bearwall? Oh, you mean like, oh, I think they like had to reroute. I don't know. I think it added another climb. <laughs> I don't, I don't really think it, it made much of a, a difference. It might've added, I think Horan said it added an uphill and then a downhill, but it didn't really phase me. It was just another trail. <laughs> All right. And what about you, Michael? Yeah, it was, it was a weird little trail with excessive, like, rocks and twists and turns and randomly bottoming out i thought it was a little confusing but it's kind of like okay that whole section is messy yeah it kind of all blurs together yeah it all blurs together (laughs) all right and we got a uh, another one on the chat this is for you michael at least i assume it's only for you michael uh but holly goble wants to know uh michael can you play all of those instruments behind you i believe they're all (laughs) The same instrument they're a mandolin right oh uh, yeah yeah they're mandolins yeah the ones that have strings on yeah so <laughs> they're they're uh they're orders for people so they're going out soon so yeah awesome yeah i definitely was gonna say i doesn't appear to be any instruments behind rachel but you never know what people keep in the freezer <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, And with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump into our quick questions here. Uh, Our very first one is going to be, what is your favorite race in Virginia? Rachel, if you want to lead this one off. Hellgate. (laughs) Makes sense. Definitely. (laughs) And Michael? Yeah, same. Yeah, definitely makes sense there. Uh, And what's your favorite aid station at a Virginia race? Michael, if you want to take this one. I don't, I am probably not, I don't have any good, I don't know. I don't really, I try to spend as little time in an aid station as possible. So I don't know, like, I'm just like, where's the tailwind? And I'll grab a handful of like at Hellgate, the theme was M&Ms. So I would get a thing of tailwind and M&Ms and I'd be gone. And so I don't have any recollection of like a favorite spot where I got M&Ms. I will directors know how to make your ideal aid station. I don't know. I was just like, okay. no, no amenities, M&Ms and Tailwind. Uh, yeah. I Got feel it. like we need to like dive deeper into Michael's nutritional. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I, um, yeah, Bear Wallow, there wasn't any, like, I think they had just gotten there with the Tailwind and there are some pretzels and like, I don't, so it's, I don't know. That, that, uh, aid station was memorable, but it's because it wasn't like really there. Man, <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. All right, Rachel, what about you? Um, any aid station that I get to see Logan at? Duh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, all right. We'll, we'll take that, um, okay. <laughs> that was more heartfelt no, than I thought it was coming. That was, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> no, but honestly, yeah, I, I'm like Michael. I'm like tunnel vision. Like I'm not a let's hang out of the buffet type of aid station girl. I'm like, let's 
let's go. I also, I don't really use aid station, like I said, so no, really, whatever aid station, Logan up with all my stuff. <laughs> but right. the energy is... at the aid stations are always really good. So everyone's always cheering you on. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. And so what is your, uh, your favorite place, like a state forest, uh, state park, or your favorite route to run in Virginia? Rachel, if you want to lead this one. Yeah, I like running. Uh, I like running anywhere on the AT, really. Um, anything that goes up and has lots of rocks and roots. But I like to start, honestly, near the course, like on that final, like Day Creek climb. There's a lot of good trails up that way that kind of you can go lots of different directions. So I like to mix it up. But anything that goes up is usually my favorite. <laughs> what about you, Michael? Uh, yeah, I was anything on the Appalachian Trail, South District of Shenandoah National Park, Three Ridges Priest area, all that mm -hmm. stuff. The stupider, so, the better. Yeah. All right. And what is your uh, your favorite local running store or group in Virginia that you like to hang out with? Michael, I assume we know what the answer is for you. So you want to lead this one off? I don't know anymore. Well, it, you know, it was crazy running. Um, but they closed a couple of years ago. So, um, but yeah, I have, I have the same group of friends I run with that, were, that all stemmed from that. So. All right. And what about you, Rachel? Uh, Runabout is a store that's right by my house. So. That's pretty good for any last minute gear that we need. <laughs> um, I'm still working on finding people to run with uh, other than Logan. Actually, this training block's been really good. I found some other people that would run with me, but because I like some of those crazy trails, it's hard to find some other people like that, <laughs> that like that stuff too. So. Mm -hmm. Logan got awesome. that when he decided to marry me. <laughs> Yeah, he kind of, I think he knew what he was getting into there. Um, and so we do have another one from the chat. This is uh, for you, Rachel. Holly says, you know, huge congrats on a wonderful year, uh, phenomenal 100 debut and plenty of, you know, course records, high placements. But what's your number one goal for 2022? Um, really, I want to keep um, just working on, you know, getting faster and getting more confident. Um, 2021 was about getting, you know, more exposed to racing because I didn't, I started in 2019 and then 2020, I only had one race with Hellgate. So um, just continue to like dive into the sport more, but still enjoy it. Um, you know, find new trails, find joy from it, all that stuff. Um, I want to do another hundred. So I'm still kind of, I've been trying not to like go overboard and like completely plan 2022 yet, but I really haven't stopped thinking about racing since like 12 hours after Hellgate. <laughs> So, but I just want to keep, you know, keep going, keep running. Um, yeah, nothing too specific yet, but. Mm -hmm. And this one wasn't uh, directed at you, Michael, but we'll let you answer it too. What's your uh, number one goal for 2022? Um, I guess just keep finding joy and pleasure and exploring the mountains and figuring out how to have my hamstrings not be so tight. <laughs> That's a good answer i think some we can all work on both of those probably yeah. um this one uh last minute edition but what song most feels like the ultra running scene in virginia to you you know we've got to add something to the spotify playlist 
give you what, both a second. What did you say? What song? What song most feels like the ultra running scene in Virginia? You know, if there's something kind of representative. Some type of party song. I don't know. Sometimes it's like EDM or like it's just a party. <laughs> I was singing like a Grateful Dead song. Oh, way I'm, different vibe I'm, than I had. <laughs> di- different vibe, but you're in the same direction, at least, you know? <laughs> like, I'm thinking like less range, and you're like, let's chill out. And mm-hmm. I was thinking like fire on the mountain. The mountain. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Different vibe. I have those like days where I'm like vibing like that, but <laughs> basically the same answer. Yeah. All right. And then so um, this will be our last one here before we'll wrap up. But who in Virginia would you most like to run with if you haven't? I want to run with Michael. I feel like yeah. I feel like he's got some good some good insights and things <laughs> I could learn from. Maybe it would chill me out a little bit. So my yeah. answer is Michael. <laughs> yeah, I'll run with Rachel. Nice. We can run it uh three ridges and I've never done well I've done three ridges, but I've never done it both for the priest. So oh, it is awesome. Yeah. So that and you like can bushwhack up and down any any side of it. It's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh I don't know if I'm changing my <laughs> She's like, actually. <laughs> Actually, I'll be at Day Creek. (laughs) See you there. I just find like a stupid like rock pile just to like go up and (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we uh we want to thank you all uh for joining us tonight and especially thank Rachel and Michael for uh joining us after that incredible run that they both had at Hellgate 100 k Uh turn it over to y'all. Do y'all have any sponsors social media you'd like to plug? Uh, anybody you would like to give shout outs to before we end the show? Um, well, um, I'm part of the rabbit elite trail team. So, um, that's been cool to have their support this past year. And then also, um, just a shout out to Ian Golden from trails collective. He also supports me. Um, so that's all helpful. And then obviously I just want to thank, you know, Logan, he's a good one. (laughs) he goes to all my races and lets me talk about running all the time so i can thank him and if you want to follow me on social media i've started to be more active on there um i think you just have to search my name rachel spalding <laughs> so yeah all right well uh we'll also like include those links and stuff and we'll be tagging rachel in some social posts after this so if you haven't found her from our other social posts you definitely can't <laughs> uh find me and, yeah and what about you michael um yeah i guess just yeah thanks for having us on and 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 letting us chit chat about the race and everything so i know we appreciate it it's fun to kind of relive it share notes and stuff after the fact so yeah so thank you yeah all right and potentially find a new running buddy just saying yeah (laughs) Um, hey anytime that sounds like fun Logan and I are always looking for new people to run with. And, well, he is. I, I think maybe he, he gets tired of running with just me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was our episode of Ridge Runners Live. We are so grateful if you joined us in the chat or listen along, or if you're listening along later on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, this was uh, Rachel Spaulding and Michael Dobova, the two course record holders for the Hellgate 100K. We are so stoked to have had them on. 
Also, if you've made it this far, go ahead and, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a like and a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Um, And, you know, that's kind of it. So uh, good night. We'll see you all on the next one. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Oh, 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 oh,